Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. And then there was a scandal. Vintage scandal. It was quite the scandal. <gasps> Okay, so here is the scandal I today. Okay, uh, we could just put it this way Elvis may be dead, but in Las <laughs> Vegas, at least he will never leave the building. So there's this new book out called um, Elvis in Las Vegas How the King Reinvented the Las Vegas Show. And the guy who wrote it, Richard Zoglin, he originally, all he was going to do was do the history of Las Vegas. Okay. And. As he's doing the book, he comes to this like light bulb moment that Elvis's association with Las Vegas, beginning in 1956 and ending in 1976, perfectly bookended an era of change. Okay. Because Vegas had always been associated with live entertainment yep. before um, Elvis. So um, when he first played. 1956, he was 21. He ruled rock and roll. Heartbreak Hotel was the number one record. Teenagers, everyone was going crazy. Paramount Pictures had signed him to a movie contract. His TV appearances electrified millions. But when he first played Las Vegas, which was at the Frontier, okay, he uh, the town shrugged, boo, hated him. Okay, He was booked on a triple bill. He came on after comic she- Shecky Green. He was allotted 12 minutes, four songs. Many people walked out complaining about the noise. I love it. I love and it. And the reviews <laughs> were horrible. Okay. Yeah. That for the teenagers, maybe he's a whiz, but for the average Vegas spender, he was a big fizz. That was from Variety. <laughs> I, love, I love the headline. Okay. So, um, and, you know, to just give some context, so Vegas didn't become a city. Until 1905, and it wasn't until the Hoover Dam was constructed in 1931 where thousands of workers were working on that. The legalization of gambling happened that same year, and it brought even more people, mm-hmm. and it brought the mob. And after the after World War II, uh, it led the mob led claim to the city that pops out of nowhere with Bugsy Siegel opening right. the Flamingo in 1946. Yep. He gets whacked six months later. Was it that quick? That's quick. I didn't know it was that six quick. Six months later when his bosses suspect him of skimming process, profits, but the hotel continues under, you know, the new wise guy management. And even though everybody had the same one-armed bandits, the same... Uh, games, the same all-you-can-eat buffets. Some places made it, some didn't. 
To hook the biggest spenders, hotels mm-hmm. began competing to book the best entertainment. It took a while. In 1954, the big headliner at the last frontier was Ronald Reagan, and he shared a stage with a chimpanzee. Bonzo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Other hotels booked past their prime stars like Ginger Rogers and Tallulah Bankhead. They didn't exactly draw crowds. The mob upped the ante and started paying more money to woo bigger names. Liberace was an early hit yeah. and turned into an unexpected mentor uh, to Elvis. Um, really? Yeah, remember we learned that at the... We did at the Liberace um, Museum. After Elvis's dud debut, mm-hmm. the pianist advised him to assemble a flashier That's stage right. wardrobe and... Be more extravagant. Sequence, yes. And Elvis tried on Liberace's gold lame jacket, and as soon as he could, Elvis ordered a whole gold yeah. lame suit. And despite the, uh, you know, this bad reception he had at this, because he did a two-week gig at the Frontier, okay. where just... Yeah. Not doing well at all. And he, but he loved Vegas. He also liked one of its, there's a little story in this guy's book about him having a two night love affair with the burlesque star Tempest Storm, whom Donnie found when we, she was on our show. Yes, Yes, she was. She was in her 80s (laughs) and his manager was furious, dating a stripper. Yeah. What will that do to your image? And Elvis said, I didn't date her. I just spent a couple nights with her. <laughs> but um, anyway, then Elvis had to go in the army. Mm-hmm. And then Frank Sinatra and the Rat Pack era yeah. started. Um, and they really turned the strip into their own real-life guys and doll dolls. They shot Ocean's Eleven in Vegas in 1960. He and his Rat Pack buddies took over the hotel stage for weeks, singing and drinking, clowning around. Most of that humor wouldn't fly today. None of them. With Sinatra and Dean Martin, you know, ridiculing Sammy Davis Jr., Mm -hmm. making jokes about the Klan. Making jokes about women. But it killed then. All of Vegas made a killing, and tourists who couldn't get in to see the Frank and Dino show went to see Stephen Eady or Tony Tony Bennett. And um, anyway, Sinatra loved Vegas. He loved the Sands tables where he pocketed his winnings and walked away from any losses until early one morning in 1967 when casino boss Carl Cohen cut off his credit. Sinatra flew into a rage confronting uh, Carl Cohen, dropping a slur. Carl clocked him, knocking out two of Frank's caps. The next day, Frank said he was moving his act to Caesar's Palace, but Vegas was already moving on without him because Vegas had started booking younger acts like Ike and Tina Turner, Sonny and Cher, Mm -hmm. Elvis. Donnie and Marie. Well, no, no, no. We're in the 60s, Julia. We're in the early 60s. So Elvis was ready. He's back from the army. He did the movies. He was ready to try something new, and he does this singer sewing special which gets called the 68 comeback special and he was like okay he 42 million people watch that show of course you know through tv stations whatever so parker got um elvis a hundred thousand dollars a week to play at this new hotel the hilton and elvis dropped in on tom jones's show in las vegas to check out what hip swivelin you know, he was sure. doing. And then he hired two backup singing groups, got a tight new band. Parker didn't like it. He's like, 
where's the chorus line? Where are your showgirls? Right. <laughs> Not in my show, Elvis said. And when Colonel Tom Parker pushed him, Elvis did something he never did before. He hung up on him. Oh, wow. Oh. This can all be in this Baz Luhrmann movie because right. this is the time. And that's Tom frame. Hanks' role. He'll be playing Colonel Parker. Right. Yes. And the opening mm. night for Elvis. So this is just a few weeks after the comeback special. It was July 31st, 1969. Ticket prices were a record $15. Celebrities from Anne Margaret to Cary Grant were in the audience. He genuinely needed no introduction. He simply walked out. Well, it's one for the money, two for the show. And hit it. And the audience was screaming. He served up, you know, Jailhouse Rock, Love Me Tender, new ones like In the Ghetto, Suspicious Minds. And he went through in a tight 75 minutes, left to a standing ovation. The King was back. So was Vegas, thanks to him. Because from that point on, Elvis... Top X. No, he brought in tourists who'd never gone to the desert. Southern homemakers, Midwestern farmers, women with plastic jewelry, men in jeans and... In trucker caps, and the old casino crowd was appalled. Where were all the big tippers? Where's the gowns? Where's the sequins? Why aren't people in tuxedos? The new corporate owners didn't care because by this time now the mob is really out of Vegas. And um, they just kept building grander and gaudier casinos, adding all these attractions. You know, because one of the things at that Hilton was they had that ceiling. You know the, you know they had like a really low, and it was like oh, all, sparkly. Remember when we yes, saw? Yes, yes, yeah. Yes, yes, anyway, yes. so um, and as Vegas got bigger, the shows got bigger. Cher returned as a solo act. She brought fifteen Bob Mackey costumes, and Margaret started performing, and uh, all these people that just had never gone. So the days when like Robert Goulet or Wayne Newton could just do a show and do show tunes were over. Now the spectacle ruled, and it was all because of Elvis. And he kept making his shows bolder. The ticket prices kept going up. But he was eight years, just eight years after his Vegas comeback. And he passed. He dead of a heart attack. Mm. And his last mm. show in Las Vegas was December 1976, and it was a sad spectacle. Mm. He It was a real sad spectacle. But... His influence lingers in Las Vegas because if you look at everyone from who's ever there and all the, you know, razzle-dazzle that everybody Mm -hmm. has in their show, that's all Elvis changed all of that. So even though, you know, his story doesn't end well, he (laughs) did take it from that old stuffy kind of showgirl thing. But Mm -hmm. people really, the first... You know, that two weeks that he played at the New Frontier in 1956? Couldn't stand him. 12 minutes and booed, yelled at, but he didn't care. He and his guys, after his show would be over, they'd cruise all the show, meeting all the showgirls that they could, just having an absolute... He just... That was his town. And in those days, showgirls were required to mingle and stay in the hotel lounges between shows to mingle with guests. Wow. That's what they had Think to do. Think how awful that would be. So you get no break between the shows. No. Mm-mm. So anyway, when he was uh, paid at the Frontier, when he got his 15000 for two weeks in 56, they called him the Atomic Powered Singer. <laughs> wow. Yeah. 
Anyway, yeah, that's all. So people did did not like did not like that. But yeah, it all it all uh, changed. And by the way, when that hotel opened, because it was new, the Hilton. Yep. Elvis insisted that he not be the first performer to play its ballroom for fear of technical glitches. So who do you think was hired to open the room? Mm. The very first person. What was the year? 1969. Wayne Newton. No. No, he was already there. Mm -hmm. Um, Barbara Streisand. Oh! She opened the room, and then when Elvis launched his run, so you can see she probably was at his show. Remember, she wanted him for his stars born. Right, right, right. When he did that show in 1969, he was 165 pounds. He... you know, did all the dr- jumpsuits from the same company who did the ice capade yep. con- uh, costumes. And um, the, the entire four-week run sold out right away. And uh, it was over 101,000 fans. And like I said, in this book, um, after Elvis, everything in Vegas got bigger. Higher salaries, gaudier productions, more musicians, splashier publicity. And it got the Midwest to go, not just old, rich gamblers. Mm -hmm. And now Midwest is one of the top feeders. Yeah. Yep. Thank you, Elvis. Love it. There you go. Well done. All right. Listen, we'll be back with the rest of the stories of the day.